Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is a former Division I football player that overcame seven season-ending injuries during his career. His story of resilience and perseverance is one I admire and one I know who continue to share an impact to others with as well. Please welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Connor Farouk. doing great man glad to be here yeah excited to have you on i uh, wanted to have you on share some of your story and some of the, the things that you're doing now but uh, i guess to kind of start just give the list, listeners a little bit of background of kind of who you are you eventually were a d1 athlete and uh, uh kind of talk about how you got there and then we'll dive into that yeah so um originally growing up in uh, olympia washington uh currently living in austin texas so you know i've kind of been all over went to school in iowa like i've kind of been all over the country but uh I originally grew up in Olympia, Washington, um, started playing sports as a really young kid, uh, but I really gravitated towards football uh, around seven or eight years old when my parents ended up splitting up. And at that age, you know, I wasn't capable. I didn't have the tools to to really cope with that. And so I was just like looking for any way to release any, you know, pent up frustration and things like that. And to be honest, I was a fairly I was a fairly soft kid. Like I, I didn't really have a strong like male role model in my life. And, uh, you know, my coaches like throughout the, throughout the years slowly became like my dad's and, and things like that. But around the sixth or seventh grade was when I really started to get good at football. And uh, ironically, that's kind of when my injuries started happening. So my eighth grade year, I believe we're about to go through my injuries. And so I might even get messed up, <laughs> you know, the timeline might get foggy, but uh, yeah. um eighth grade I, I broke my left tibia snapped it and you know that was that was rough but you know I got high school to look forward to uh, I got plenty of time my dream was to play college football um, and then my my freshman year snapped my other tibia after you know a season was going really well whatnot sophomore year uh, I started um, on varsity but I don't think mentally I was really capable of overcoming those injuries and so like I was hesitant I was playing more hesitant um, and whatnot. And then my junior year, uh, I was an all conference level back. I averaged almost a first down a carry. I made huge leaps and bounds. Um, then going into, or then I broke my collarbone <laughs> right before my, uh, playoffs. And so I think that at this point it's, you know, it's three or yeah, three season ending injuries in the last four years. And so in my mind, I'm like, you know, three's lucky number, like we're good from here on out, which, uh, unfortunately wasn't the case. I had a great off season, my senior or going into my senior year, won some MVPs at some camps, started getting recruited by some, you know, larger schools. Um, and then my fourth game of my senior year, having the best game of my life, I ended up tearing my ACL. And so basically all the colleges went out the window, like for the most part, I mean, they look at my medical history and I was just red flagged, which in my mind at that time, I couldn't blame them. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's there. And, yeah. you know, I was a good football player and, but you know, the injury prone tag sucks, but you know, it got placed on me. Uh, and I, I was a really downhill hard runner. And, you know, that was what made me a good football player. And I wasn't 
And I wasn't going to change that about myself. I'm like, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to play, I'm going to play my way and the way I play best. And if I get injured with it, I'll be, you know, so be it. But a lot of people ask me, why'd you go through all those injuries and things I talk about a lot is uh, my, I have a long line in my family of substance abuse, mental illness, and things like that. And, and my father told me, you know, countless times I, I saw my father for, uh, you know, 12 hours every couple of weeks, you know, it wasn't a, I had a really rough relationship with my father and he told me many times to change my name throughout my, my life. And, um, it really, I found validation in football. I, other people, when strangers were coming up to me saying like how they enjoyed watching me play and things like that, like that's where I put all my worth in at that point, just because that, uh, I was getting that, those, that external validation from people. And I viewed myself as solely a football player and, and so when I got that injury prone tag and then just colleges started dropping me, like my worth just continued going down with it because mm-hmm. I viewed my, all of hundred percent of what I was, was on the field. Mm-hmm. And so, can, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I know we had, when we had talked a, a while back too, I think that is a really inter- interesting dynamic that I think part of I experienced too, that, you know, like you said, people were saying good game and they don't really know you. And I was like, and I think it's unusual as athletes that, even strangers will reinforce an identity of you, even though they don't really know you. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens a lot. And I think on campuses, like just like your story, you're like, and, it, and it's, yeah, it feels great. Like it was something when I went to the real world, I'm like, where are these people? <laughs> it was a great day. Um, but, you know, talk about kind of, uh, you know, how, how that kind of just, you know, impacted you and, and as it played out. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes we are more judgmental or we don't take words as with as much weight from the people closest to us. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, it's like they, you know, my mom has, you know, my mom has to love, she has to say these things, or, you know, my family has to say these things. Um, and so I, I really believe that, you know, through everything I, I was helping, not helping, but, uh, um, one thing with my dad was he was always seemed to be in a better mood and he didn't say as mean things. He wasn't, you know, as, as harsh, um, in ways. And it seemed like he didn't drink when I was around, if I had a good game and, and I got that in my mind when I was really young. And so I kind of placed that pressure on myself of like, I need to have a good game. And then that external validation, it's just, sometimes we just seek per like we seek our worth and we seek, we seek what we want in all the wrong places, you know, and I, I, we, we're going to get more into my story a little bit, but one thing I constantly say is all, everything I prayed for was not answered, but everything I should have been praying for was. Um, And so, but I mean, it took years and then like a moment of clarity with that, but I was just searching for validation and, and, you know, worth in just all the wrong areas. But I think that's a problem. A lot of us have like with, especially with social media and other aspects like that. It's like where you want the likes from even people you don't know, it could be a fake account, you know, but you like people buy likes from fake accounts. Like that's a thing, you know, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it, it's weird. And like you wouldn't like, I want to, maybe it'll work. Like we should start a business where we'll sell fake high fives. Like we won't even, we're yeah. just like, Hey, I'll sell you fake high fives. Like <laughs> so, a couple, uh, 
after someone reached out to me actually on social media, after I'd been on a couple podcasts and were like, Hey, I know a way for you to like boost your followers. And I was like, sweet. Like, let me hear it. And it was like, you got to pay a hundred dollars a month. And I'm like, dude, like yeah, yeah. I would rather have, you know, a thousand people that are real and actually enjoy the content that I produce than having this fake persona that I'm trying to put on for people, Yeah, you know, because yeah. I've been that guy. I, I was that guy. I tried to find that external validation through all the wrong sources. I'm like, I'm not going back. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I like that. I think that's the, I've only had one or two people that were like, wanted to know data about my podcast before they yeah. made a decision. And I'm always like, I don't, if that's going to drive your decision to be a guest, then you're the wrong guest. Yeah. Uh, to, to at least to, th that I want to serve through, through this uh, episodes, but, you know, talk more, I, you know, we went into college, the injuries weren't quite done, yeah. um, but kind of talk a little bit about, you know, going to play at Drake and kind of how that got started and how you navigated college. Yeah. So Drake was one of the few schools to stick with me. Um, and I, I, after I tore my ACL my senior year, actually it was September 30th, 2016. I'll never forget the date. That was yesterday was the sixth year anniversary. Yeah. And um, I promised my mom and I promised my coach, who was like my dad at the time, um, actually like kind of that same figure now, except now as I got older, we become more friends. I see him every time when I go back home and whatnot. But I promised, you know, my family and that uh, that they see me play again. And my second practice on campus, I got cleared in about mid-October. First practice went great. It was just like a walkthrough period. And then the second practice, uh, I was running an outside zone play, almost identical to the play my senior year where I, where I popped my knee and I retore my ACL. And, you know, a lot of things go through your mind at that time. You know, like, am I doing the right thing? I mean, this is my fifth season ending injury in six years. And like, where, like, why? You know, I, I remember constantly, you know, um, you know, I, I kind of wear my, my faith on my sleeve. And so I, I, I remember, you know, praying and being like, you know, I, I have no idea why I'm going through this, but just at some point, you know, please show me the purpose behind it. You know, at some point, like I, I can't see it um, right now, but that's the thing. Sometimes can't see it until, you know, until it's like I have a moment of clarity. And so um, a lot of struggles and mental health issues came with that. I mean, I, um, there was times where I was referred to a psychologist by our coaches and staff on campus because I would, I was like mute for weeks. Cause like I, I walked around for a couple of weeks where I just wasn't talking because I yeah. really feared if I opened my mouth to anyone, I would just, you know, start crying. Um, and I even, there was one time in a meeting where I said something and everyone started clapping and like, get, like cheering because they hadn't like heard me talking so long. So yeah, it was some dark times. So I know when I was, you know, when I had injuries a little bit, I didn't, you know, I think looking back, I didn't always cope <laughs> probably some of the best ways. Um, I know you kind of talked about, and I think that was something I also did. I just kind of became closed, you yeah. know, just kind of shut down people until I could figure out what I needed to go through. <laughs> um, yeah. But what were, what were maybe some things that were positive that, that helped you get through those times? You know, I was, I fell into the, fell into the group, which I think a lot of, a lot of people do, but males specifically, and also just athletes specifically, it's like the rub your dirt on, rub some dirt on it. Yeah. You know, I like, I can handle it on my own. I, I was kind of my own man for a while. Like my mom, you know, I ra was raised by a single mom, but I, I didn't always show a lot of 
you know, or talk about my problems very much because I, she was stressed out with, you know, raising two kids and, um, and whatnot. And so I just internalized a lot of stuff, which was, which was awful. Um, you know, weakness and vulnerability aren't the same thing, yeah. you, you know, so, but I always viewed like, you know, opening up as a, as a weakness to that point. And sure. so, um, somewhere down the line around, um, after, I saw some, a psychologist that actually didn't end up working out, but it like slowly chipped away, uh, with me being able to just open up. I met a few people, made some, you know, closer friends, um, which honestly, one thing that came out of my injuries is that I went through a lot of tough times, which built a lot of amazing relationships. You know, it's, um, I mean, we know, you know, uh, the guy who connected us, I, uh, yeah. Um, shout out Pat. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Pat. My, uh, my former, uh, we roomed together when we went on an international trip to China, but he, him, um, you know, I, there was just so many great guys on the team that I knew I could go to, even if I didn't go to them, I knew in my mind I could. And so that, and honestly, I started journaling a ton because I was hesitant to go reach out to anyone else, but getting, I found like getting my words on paper and having that internal dialogue with myself and like figuring out where, what's the root of the emotions I'm feeling right now. Talk talk a little bit about that. I know one of my other former guests, uh, she talks about having athletes, you know, write a a rut (laughs) and, and I like the format because I think there's journaling, but a rut was just raw, unfiltered thoughts. Yeah. Just throw them out. And I think talk a little, can you talk a little bit about just kind of what journaling did for you. Cause I think there is some therapy to see your words and to see your words on paper. There's gains understanding. Um, yeah, can you talk? Yeah. What was your yeah. experience? Do you still I mean, journal? <laughs> I still, no, I still, I have it. I have it right next to me. Um, there you go. Yeah. I actually, um, whenever I go speak at high schools or colleges, I generally hold it in my hand. I don't look at it, but I know, but something about having the words in my hand that I wrote in like, like the, the, either the things I prepared for it or just knowing it just gives me like some peace to it. But um, it, it allowed me to just like get, getting your thoughts on paper and having that internal dialogue. I don't know why, but it made me feel like I wasn't talking to someone, yeah. but I was, I was, I don't even know if that makes sense, but it was able, it was a way for me to struggle with a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of, a lot of depression. And when I didn't, when I didn't think I could go to anyone with stuff, I always knew I could go to myself. And so it was almost like, like I said, this internal dialogue, but I kind of split my personality into two where I was like, all right, this is like, I would think through, all right, I'm depressed. And then another part of me would be like, all right, why are you feeling this way? Like, let's break yeah. it down. You know, so, let's uh, break it down. it's kind of a, an emotion and irrational. Yeah. <laughs> you like, kinda... you know, like the cartoon angel and devil kind of thing, but it's just like, it was almost just a, uh, like a conflict between the two. Like, all right, let's work this out. You know, get, let's get to the root of it. Um, I think a lot of like very simple questions now are demonized. Like, you know, when a kid, um, when I don't, you have kids, don't you? Yeah. 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 So, you know, they've probably gone through like a why phase, you know, it's like, well, why is this? Why, why? Like, you know, the why is such a profound question, you know, and like some of the most simple questions, like are the questions that have brought me to tears. And 
like asking those just simple questions to yourself. I remember I was having a really rough day after, um, after a, another injury I had later in college and that ended a, ended a season for me there too. And I was just, I was struggling. And one of uh, Pat's, you know, shout out Pat again, <laughs> one of his best friends and one of my friends, Gavin, he, he was walking through the locker room and I was, I was walking out. We were like the only two in there. And he says, Hey man, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. And then he stopped me and he was like, no, like, how are you? And I started crying and I ran, but I, I wasn't crying because I wasn't upset because I was sad. I was actually started. It was like joy because I was like, someone cared about me in that moment. Like they cared about me more than I cared about myself, you know? But when those questions of like, why, you know, why am I feeling that way? All right. Well, you know, I had an injury. Okay. But you know, why are we handling it the way we, you know, we are. And it's like, well, I've had a lot of insecurities. I've had worth problems. All right. What's the root of that? You know, why are you, why'd you feel that way? And just breaking it down. And it's almost like, I don't know if you, you know, make a schedule or something, but just checking off your schedule each day, there's a little bit of like a dopamine hit. You're like, all right, I'm getting stuff done. Oh yeah. And then as I answered those why questions, my anxiety started to dissipate. You know, because I was like, I understood myself better. I understood what I was feeling and then the process of how I got there. And knowing that, knowing how you're feeling conceptually was what really started to break down and give me more peace. um, I think think even like the process you're talking about and even journaling, I think it, it does put you more in the present moment. Yeah. Right. And, and you're seeing that you're writing about the future or the past maybe, but Mm -hmm. it starts to give you, I think it does create some space between you and those thoughts. And I think sports psychologists talk about it all the time, whether it's uh, name it and frame it like, you know, and I've had people that, you know, a a great friend, he's like, he's got his alter ego and alter ego, you know, and it's like, that's a, a, it helps people perform. And I think, but it does take, and I can tell from our conversations too before that it it does take some self-reflection. It does take that it's work to answer those tough questions and be honest with yourself. Cause it's the easiest person to lie is to is ourself. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but I, I love how you talked about just simple, powerful questions. Cause I think that's a lot of things when I talk with athletes too, it's, it gives you that, it can give you clarity. It, it can help you, you know, rationalize something, especially when you're in high emotional environments as college football yeah. constantly. So it, was there a, uh, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, the way coaches kind of filled some of the, the void of your father and things. Was there a coach or two that, in your journey that especially kind of stuck out that was always just kind of, yeah, you know, I'm glad, um, I'm glad that one was in my life. <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, my coach in high school, he was our offensive line coach and also um, our, our offensive coordinator. He just came to me at a, at a perfect time. It was my, it was my freshman year, which is, you know, for middle school, freshman year, that's just like a weird time, you know, for, <laughs> for everybody, you know, yeah. and he, uh, he just came at a time where I needed a strong, you know, presence in my life. And like I said, I I grew up, you know, I was a fairly soft kid and I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that because I know where I started and where I'm at now. And I, like, I, I believe I had to go through those periods to be the person I am, but I mean, he was a, you know, big guy, former D D one lineman. Now, you know, parole officer, very, you know, had a presence (laughs) rough around the edges, but also very, 
you know, very understanding and, and very caring. Like you knew if he got on you, it was always from a place of wanting the best for you. And so, I mean, that's why I, I he's one of the first people I see anytime I go home, I talk to him constantly. Um, and then also uh, one of a couple of my coaches, but one in particular in, in college who uh, got me involved in um, who's our OC, but got me involved in um, a trip to, India for some anti-human human trafficking work. And he was a former pastor and he's a, um, OC, he was an OC and, um, he's actually out of college coaching now, but, um, you know, amazing guy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those, those two are the ones that definitely stick out in my mind. Love it. Um, it, one of the things I like to pull out on the podcast once in a while is, uh, we go back and review a tweet. Mm. So, um, uh, one of the tweets uh, I looked on your Twitter that stood out, wanted you to talk about maybe a little bit more, but I, I think it fits right along with your story. You said, I don't know if it's your words, where you got it, whatever. But it said, everything will be okay in the end if you keep going. If it's not good right now, then it's not the end. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I liked it. It hit home. Yeah. And so that's not mine. Although I do a ton of writing and I share everything I write, that one I, I can't take credit for. Um, but I saw it and it just hit home. And so, um, you know, some things that you see don't resonate or sometimes like I had heard that before, but I just heard it again recently. And for some reason, just it clicked. And I was like, oh man, like I got, I got to share that. Um, but long story short with my, my college career with, I had another shoulder injury after my knee and then COVID ended the season. And it was 1,646 days um, from my last high school game, the first college game. Um, and so I, on a punt, uh, I was covering a punt um, in my first college game, you know, wearing two shoulder braces, a knee brace. I had like a clubbed hand, like I was like a tin man, but I didn't care. You know, I was happy. Um, but I went down and I covered a punt on the sideline and then I made a solo tackle and I get up and I look to the sideline. Everyone's going nuts. Not because of the play I made because it was a pretty fairly straightforward, you know, play, but it was because they knew everything that went into it. And that moment I talked about where I said, you know, I don't know the purpose when I was, you know, when I was praying and saying, I don't know the purpose, but you know, please show it to me. It took four and a half years for me to get that. But throughout that whole time, I was like, all right, I know this isn't the end. You know, I know this isn't the end. And, you know, I never knew when it was going to be, but I wasn't going to stop until, until it got, you know, until I got there or until I knew in my heart, I gave everything to it, yeah. you know? And so I, that one just hit me, hit me home. I believe it's a good, a good, reference or analogy or quote to my story specifically. And one I'll probably share when I'm talking to high yeah. school or colleges and stuff. It's a, that's a good one. No, definitely. Keep sharing that one for sure. I think uh, one of the other questions we was like to uh, ask um, if you put you in a time machine and you get to go visit 16 year old, you, and then you're, uh, you know, traveling back less than a decade or so, but uh, what would you advice would you give yourself? If you could. Um, actually, one of the things I've uh, written and I shared that I think through that time, it was that was hard for me because I was still struggling with worth at that time a lot. And, I, and if if 16 year old me knew what 
I was going to have to go through. And I like said, Hey, this is what you're going to have to go through. I don't know if that kid would have done it, you know, you know? Um, But I believe that you need to understand what you never have. So you're better able to give everything you never received. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I struggled with not having a strong, like a father figure really in my life who constantly in my mind chose substances over his kids. And I knew that, you know, there's always, there's good and evil to everything, but I, I believe you can wield your suffering to your, yours and everyone around you's benefit. And so I knew that, you know, when I have kids, but like those kids are going to be, be annoyed by how much I love them and how much I openly, you know, show affection. And I have two, you know, I've, you know, some nieces now, and, you know, I, I have a great relationship with them. They got me a Funkle t-shirt for my birthday nice, nice. and stuff. You know, I'm overly affectionate because I know what it's like not to have that, yeah. you know, and like when I even when I talk to colleges, I, I mean, I, I say that, you know, I, I take football out of it. You know, if, if football, if this if this right now playing college football is the best time of your life, it's going to be one of the best times. But if it's the best time of your life, that's a sad outcome. You know, you have so much life to live after that. And so if you put everything into football because it's a, it's practicing for more and more disciplines down the line. But yeah. like I said, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, making a promise to my family, I knew if I didn't fulfill that promise, cause that was the biggest promise I'd ever made up to that point in my life and still is frankly, that it was going to make it a lot easier to not fulfill promises later on. Cause if I claim that it's the biggest promise I ever made and I know that I didn't give it all I had, like who's to say I'm going to make my kids basketball game or baseball game or something when I like late for work or like, you know, yeah. I was at work or like, you know, it's going to make it easier for me to make excuses to why I didn't accomplish something. And so really auditing your position in life and knowing this, like, you know what, I never had this. I never had a strong father figure. Maybe I, I didn't have good parents, but if you have an example of what good versions of those things are, you got to soak in as much as you can. So, so I, I say too that I am who I am because of those who came before me and I'm going to become who I'm capable of becoming for all of those who come after, because I, I understand where I came from. I understand the century worth of pain. My uncle died of kidney failure from uh, or liver failure from um, alcoholism. My grandfather suffered from it. It was over a century worth of stuff. And I know that by but I know because of it, whatever happened forged, you know, the person I am and everyone who comes after me is not going to have to deal with that, at least on my behalf, you know? So. Well, I uh, love it. One of the other questions we like to ask is, is waving a magic wand. And usually we ask, you know, if you could wave a wand and every student athlete out there would be blessed with some sort of skill or ability or something. Um, but I want to twist it with your experience and in, in injuries. And I think, you know, I've been, you know, in the training room and out for a season and, and experienced, you know, luckily only once or twice <laughs> in my years of football, yeah. but um, if you could wave a wand and every student athlete that's going through an injury, seen or unseen mental or physical, um, what would you hope for them tomorrow morning? I think I would hope that they saw the bigger picture. So after I got done playing, I, I played three college games in my college career. 
I actually thought college coaching was the route I was going to go. I spent a season coaching at Drake and there was a young kid um, freshman who had never really had injuries, but he, he'd end up tearing his ACL and it was the worst thing that had, you know, ever happened to him. They, like you're one of the worst things, like in his eyes. And he was, I went to talk to him about it because he was really struggling. And I said, I don't want you to take offense to this, but I don't feel bad for you. And because that would mean I'd have sympathy for you. And throughout all my, all my pain that I went through, the worst thing that people did was tell me how sorry they were for me. Cause it just reiterated the state I was in. It's like, clearly I'm worth the sympathy. Like people are pitying, pitying me for my experience. Right. So I said, listen, if I've never seen someone attack an injury, a significant injury and come out on the other end, worse off, like with everything they have. And I'm not even talking about football. I said, I don't feel bad for you. Cause that would imply, I don't think you're going to be better off in the long run. You're not going to be a, you know, a better friend, a sibling, a father, like, you know, later on in life. And so seeing the bigger picture is like it, the way you're attacking or the way you should attack your injury is a, is an analogy or a metaphor for life in general. You, you know, it's not, it's not the end of you. I, I empathize. I told him like, I empathize with you. I've gone through twice what you've just, you know, gone through. And I did it back to back, you know, back to back years. And I do not feel bad for you because you could be exponentially better in every way from a mental, physical, like standpoint, you know, he might not end up being the football player. He might, yeah. might have been, but in the grand scheme of things, that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned like a, like your a father, a friend, you know, a football, a football player, a run back title isn't going to be on your gravestone. And I believe you should invest in the titles that will be on your gravestone, whether it be, you know, mother, father, like maybe coach makes it on there. You know, like no one's ever put CEO on a gravestone, you know? And so just investing in the being more mission oriented and goal oriented and seeing the bigger picture of things. Love it. Um, any other questions? I just kind of, you know, kind of end with um, you've shared some other kind of great tools as well. The journaling, I think doing some of the asking yourself some tough questions, um, but maybe for other kids that are going through injuries or tough times or, you know, things that you've experienced, what are maybe any other tools that you would recommend they try or check out to, to maybe help them through their adversity? I mean, other than like having, having a support, like, I don't know if I could have got through what I got through for in a lot of different ways. If I didn't have that, you know, support group yeah. around me or having just a few, just a few people to go to and be like, man, I'm, I'm struggling. But I mean, I read a ton. I, I think that I read a ton of biographies and like about people who have gone through immense adversity. And I try to look for patterns of what they did to get through that. And, you know, you might be, you've gone through so much suffering, just everyone who was listening to this, you've gone through so much, you might as well make it worth it because the most inspirational, the most, you know, the movers and shakers of the, the entire world and the history of the world have gone through the, you know, the most pain. If you look at like the Nelson Mandela's, of the world, you know, my per one of my personal favorite speakers I got a chance to meet meet was Inky Johnson, and yeah. you know he he went through and I and I listened to his same speech before every high school game. I watched <laughs> Inky Johnson's Inky Johnson speech and I watched Earl Campbell highlights. But uh, you know, you could wield your suffering 
to help so many people. Like there's no better person to lead people out of the darkness than someone who spent time in it, you know? And, um, I mean, yeah, I think just learning and I think understanding people and reading about other inspirational people and how they dealt with things was allowed me to better audit myself. And I understood myself better because I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one who's gone through that same feeling, like looking at a book and be like, oh, I feel that way. You know, that, you know, that's me right now. Yeah. And so it's like, you're, you're not alone. You know, no one's, no one's alone as, as, as alone as you think you are, there are people out there who like care and love for you. listening if something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode we would love your help spreading the elevate message you can find me on instagram at elevate educate rejuvenate that's with the numeral instead of the ate thank you again and if i can help you with anything please reach out and don't forget go elevate others